The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here and welcome to The DeFalco Files with FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling, owner, creator, commentator, and just good all-around human being, Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing? Uh, you know, it's kind of tough being, you know, the greatest man on the world, you know <laughs> what I mean? But, you know, I try to go by day by day. <laughs> well, speaking of going by day by day, um, the guest we have today, you could say goes by his life Bay by Bay, the one and only Christopher Bay. Chris Bay, how you doing, man? Hey, uh, this is Terrence, and I'll be playing the role of Chris Bay today uh, on the DeFalco Files, and I'm excited to be here. You know, I'm a little uh, disappointed, Matt. You know, it should be Impact Wrestling Superstar and the next X Division Champion, Chris Bay. See, that's how, that's how you give me an that, introduction. Right? Is, is that, that an introduction? You know what I'm that's saying? That's what I was missing right there. That that was the pizzazz I was looking for. You know, if we ever do a show again and you decide to show up at the arena, that's how we're going to introduce you. Sounds great to me. But by that time, it'll be that, yeah. current. Yeah, that, that is true. By then, you will be the champ. So, Well, you know, the, um, the pizzazz always comes from Joe and... You know, I had to have him put you over, right? Right. <laughs> so, Got to. Yes. Chris, um, you know, I want to get Joe's take on this in a second, but from your side, what led you to looking up Future Stars of Wrestling, and how did you go about reaching out to Joe and finding out information and eventually moving here. What what is the story behind meeting Joe? So um, we got to rewind to 2016. I uh, I came to Las Vegas for my birthday, um, which is February 13th. So I came here for my birthday, and I knew there was a school out here that I wanted to check out while I was here for my birthday. But you know, one thing led to another, and I never got around to it. Um, well, it was the day before Valentine's Day, so you probably were busy. A hundred percent. You know, yeah, uh, you know, your boy was it was first time in Vegas, doing it up big. You know, doing it up nice. You know, big, big, big bottles everywhere. No, that's not exactly the scenario. <laughs> but um, I uh, there were bottles. It was just bottles of water. So. There you go. Okay, <laughs> there you go. See, this is why I like Joe. He help, he helps me. Uh, yeah, that's stuff. Um, so I never got the chance to check out the school, and. Uh, I went back home, and it became a point where it was time for me to find where I wanted to go and uh, start making plans and arrangements to go there. So I wanted to call the school and get an idea on tuition and how everything like that works because I had done research on 
all over the country of different schools, whether it was Team 3D Academy or, you know, the Ring of Honor School or, or every, everything I had looked at at the time. And um, I really thought that this could be a good school for me to go to. I checked the website and it looked like, you know, there was some credible OGs there that I, I knew and I recognized by name and face value and I could learn something from. And I remember uh, calling and I think I left a message because I didn't get an answer. <laughs> and um you know busy man time difference all that good stuff and uh you know virginia got, call who, who's expecting anything you know <laughs> exactly he doesn't have a clue who's calling him so um i i uh, get to the gym and i'm just about to start my workout and walk out of the uh the uh locker room and i get a call from a 702 number <laughs> and i'm i answer the phone call and for the first time ever i hear this lovely voice that is owned by the one and only Joe DeFalco. Yeah, it is a good voice, I'll tell you that. Because <laughs> <laughs> he gives me the call and says, uh, Future Stars of Wrestling, this is Joe DeFalco speaking. And I give him the whole, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge wrestling fan, and I was looking at your school, and I was thinking about moving out there to attend your school. And Joe gave me the lowdown about everything that, you know, uh, FSW has to offer everybody who was on the come up. He was telling me about, at the time, TJP was doing the Cruiserweight Classic. I don't think he had won the championship yet, but he was doing the Cruiserweight Classic. So he's telling me about TJP, and he was telling me about this up-and-coming guy I'd never heard of named uh, Killer Cross or Karrion Cross or Kevin Cross, whatever we're calling him nowadays. <laughs> um, and I remember after getting off the phone with John, I remember like, the last thing I told him was like, all right, well, I'll probably see you in a few months. And he's probably just like, yeah, well, I hear that all the time. Whatever. Yeah, all, all the time. A hundred people call, you know? Yeah. So, and I, um, so you, I, I remember looking up the footage of Kevin, and I was like, "Oh yeah, this guy's legit." How many, uh, how many weeks between uh, talking to Joe on that phone call and uh, making the move out here? Um, so I want to say it was late April to early May, and then I got here July fourth. Wow! So you're coming up on your uh, your July fourth anniversary here of uh, moving to Vegas, huh? Yeah, yeah, and starting the dream. August 8th is uh, the day I started training at FSW. but uh, So it took me a whole other month after I got here to kind of face my fears and really still go down there and, you know, just face the music. But, no, I was pretty certain Joe's, Joe, Joe's a great salesman, as we all know. So, you know, when he gave me the lowdown on the phone, it, it honestly was a no-brainer that this is where I wanted to be, especially after doing my own research, after I got off the phone about more of the names that he had told me about who were up and coming around, or and then just checking out the FSW YouTube channel, which had content from all types of different uh, stars and all types of un, uh, unseen stars. It just seemed like a no-brainer. It seemed like the best possible scenario for me. And before I ask Joe his uh, his memories... What was your first impression when you met him face to face? When I met Joe? Yeah. <laughs> that there's no one like him that I've ever met in my life. Um <laughs> that was kind of my, my real first impression. Like um it's matching that um name to face value at that point. So like I or the voice to um and name to face value. So I had heard his voice and knew his name and then when I finally met him I was like, oh, this is the guy that I was talking to. Oh, sweet, you know, like, and then I could just tell after just having short conversations with him just how how about his business he was, you know, and uh, and how I funny I was too. 
<laughs> Look, he, he wants he wants me to tell the story about how at this point he still had the long flowing locks and you know then No, he, I didn't have long locks. <laughs> we know better. My mullet was long gone. <laughs> so, I'm just putting you over, but it was it was it was just a no brainer that, you know, he was a cool guy to to work for. You know, I move off energy, so if the energy wasn't there I probably wouldn't have stuck around. But I, I thought it was cool enough at least for me to give it a true shot, you know. So Goldilocks, what's your side of uh, your recollections of Chris <laughs> reaching out okay. to you? <laughs> the the first time I remember Chris was the day he walked in the door because there's numerous people that call up, "Hey, we're going to sign up. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to be out here in four to six months. So I'm going to be here next year." It's like, okay, well, when you get here, you know, I, I'm more than happy, as everybody knows who's met me, to talk. So I will tell everybody all the information and I'll give you an honest thing of what we're trying to accomplish. But the first time I remember Chris was when he actually walked in the door. I was I was sitting in the office and then he walked in, introduced himself and Chris came in with three months large. We always like to see that. And, <laughs> you know, I explained to him, hey, it's one hundred dollars off if you uh if you pay three months up front. So Chris came in, paid three months up front. Uh, he was very uh, ambitious, seemed very eager, but he was a little small, obviously. And, you know, he had the passion. Now the question was going to be, we've seen some great people athletically looking, walk in the door that, you know, fail miserably. So, you know, once Chris got in there, he moved along very quickly. The only person who probably moved along that quickly from training was Kevin Cross. And Kevin moved along that quickly because of his character and his personality and, and, and what he was presenting. Chris was moving forward way more quickly because, you know, we quickly saw the athletic ability. You know, we saw a kid who was 150 pounds that pound for pound was probably the strongest guy in the school. So immediately we knew uh, we had something good. So we made sure he got in there early and then got his ass killed by a funny bone. So. <laughs> was was that something, Chris, you, uh, you were kind of expecting going into, you know, training that you would um... – kind of encounter uh you know a little bit of the veterans and and you know just kind of uh i guess earning the respect of of the rest of the um the locker room and the trainers was that something that you imagined that was going to be easy or difficult what what was your thought process i um so i had been told all my life just about how uh, impossible it would be to do this because of my size or um, at points where I was in transition to move here I was told a lot that like hey um you know I tried wrestling too and it's super hard like uh, you know you're gonna have to do this for this long or that for that long or this for that long this none of these experiences were coming from people who uh, wrestled at FSW so um it wasn't like they were telling me from their own personal experience about where I was going. They were just telling me from their own personal experience in the business 
Excel itself. And as we all know, everything's night and day different everywhere you go. You know, even though we all speak the same uh, universal language, which is wrestling, people still run things differently. Right. But I right. remember, um, I remember definitely understanding that it, it wasn't going to just be like a skyrocket thing to the top. And it was going to take me a lot of work to um, prove to everybody because anything that I had to offer, I was going to have to put in twice, maybe three times the amount of work to even make it be able to be seen from everyone from a general perspective. Because no matter how much the office believes in me or, uh, or uh, you know, people on the creative team believe in me, if the fans aren't buying it, the fans aren't buying it. So for me, it was a, it was not a hard transition or a, a, hard, a difficulty to learn. I just kind of came in real open-minded and tried not to expect anything. I didn't expect people to treat me different because I was small and I didn't expect people to uh, you know, skyrocket me to the top because I was a, I'm a quick learner. I just expected uh, to learn. Like the first day when I showed up to actual do a class and the ring wasn't there because we had a casino show the weekend before, which was all new to me, so I didn't know. I was stoked that there was no ring there because I knew that I was going to get to learn how to put the ring up on the first day, you know, which for me, I was like, oh, that's ideal wrestling class. Like, that's that's how it's, that's how it goes in all the movies. You learn how to set up the ring first. So, like, for, I was just ready to learn anything and everything. I put expectations to the side. I didn't really worry about, you know, um, any other hardships. That All that stuff started to play more of a factor as I got more experience and started to understand. But coming in and getting beat up in two minutes by Funny Bone or – anybody else like to me was just great because i still got a chance to work you know and uh get that exposure and that experience and get in the ring with someone and i'll tell you something you know the difference is with chris bay and kevin cross because you're going to hear a lot of the comparisons here and there i'm pretty sure throughout with kevin cross he we probably delayed him doing in-ring stuff because of his size and you know you, you you can't make people say, wow, this is a superstar when you got a guy six foot four, 260 pounds. Yeah. And you're jobbing him out real quick. With Chris, we don't know where the, the ceiling is, but we know he's ready to get on there. So when it comes to wanting to be on shows, it's really an advantage to be a little smaller because there's more positions to get you in. Right. Kevin Cross stepped in and he didn't lose for two years. Yeah, you know, Chris Bay didn't probably win for his first who knows how many matches. Yeah, you know, but then the crowd started to see him, and then the big thing was his name change, and that turned everything around. Right. <laughs> so yeah, ex- explain that, Joe, to the listeners about Chris's name, and then Chris, you can uh, chime in with uh, your opinions on how things went down with that. Well, I'm not sure for how many months, but it wasn't a lot of months. And he says, I'm going to be Chris Strong. I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. We're like, okay, you're Chris Strong. And then just as he was starting to get noticed by the fans, they were saying, hey, this is a guy we're going to keep our eyes on. Hey, I want to change my name. I'm like, dude, what do you mean you want to change your name? You just got the name. You've had 10 matches if you're lucky. And then he went to Chris Bay. And, I, you know, that's his real name. And, of course, you know, when you hear something, in most cases, when you hear somebody's name change, you're like, oh, my God, that's so shitty, you know. <laughs> but then the, but then you grow into the name. It's like now if you would have said Chris Bay was Chris Strong, I'd be like, oh, that's a weird name. So, you know, it's the same thing with entrance music. When people hear a certain song, 
And there you go. Chris and Cross were the same way. They're always changing their entrance themes. It's like, dude, people are trying to get to know you under that. And, you know, Chris was a guy who changed it a, a few times. And I guess he was, you know, even though he gave it a shot and did it two or three times, he wanted something that he felt fit him. So, you know, I can't argue that. You know, I try to in some cases because in most cases, that guy's really not getting very far in the business it's just like you're getting on the shows work on your character you know work on getting good enough to get booked in california arizona you know stop harping on the little little things but chris will be the one person i say and i say it all the time is chris had no backup plan most people <laughs> want to be a wrestler but they can't come to training because they got that job at walmart Chris was a guy when he literally he paid the three months getting the rest of his dues was, you know, like pulling teeth because Chris <laughs> wouldn't stay at a job for long. They wouldn't let him go when you had a train. If there was a show, Chris didn't give a shit. Chris was not going to work and missing a show. So Chris put all his eggs in the basket of I'm going to get signed, which I do not recommend that for 99.9% .9 of people who want to wrestle. But Chris had enough confidence in himself and probably than all of us. Like, yeah, we knew he was good, but we've also seen guys like Sean Ricker not get a, an opportunity to right. eight or nine years in the business. Yeah. And Chris over here thinks he's going to be able to get it in, in like two years. And it's like, bro, you know, you got to – you got to have something else just in case. But he, you know, he bet on himself and, you know, he won. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's what it is, bro. I mean, talk about going back to the name change. Um, when I first came in, my first day of class was, uh, promo class was Kevin. And, uh, I remember I went last and it was one of those things where, I said the name Chris Strong. I had I don't think I ever had thought about the name before, but I knew that I didn't want to be Chris Bay because I just didn't know how wrestling worked and I didn't want to feel like uh, you know, get heat for thinking that my name was cool enough to use my own name or whatever. You know, I just sure. didn't know how the business worked. So for me I was I heard you want I heard you wanted to initially go by Looney Bin, but it was taken. Yeah, I don't know someone really thought of that before me. I don't even know how that's possible. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it was in my back pocket. But, but uh, um, I I, uh, I said the name Chris Strong in that promo. Um, and I, in my mind, I kind of thought like, okay, this will be uh, my jobber persona to, per se, you know, um, and uh, until I figure out what exactly I want to do. Because I didn't, I wasn't set at all on the idea of Chris Bay. I wasn't even leaning towards it. I didn't want to do it. Um, but everybody kept telling me that it was a good idea. And as soon as I started training was when Roderick Strong signed with NXT. So the irony of like the timing on that was just like, well, there's someone now on the main stage with the same name and he's been doing it way longer. So, and then it got to a point where of course my progression rate started to, uh, increase and I started to get more opportunities and I started going places where the idea of the name Chris Strong was just putting me in shackles because I couldn't portray whatever the gimmick was supposed to be mainly because i didn't know how to portray a gimmick and that's still i guess would we'll say a lot of my um 
uh, weakness to this day is that I'm not the best at portraying gimmicks. I'm better at just being me and better at just uh, and just turning up myself, which, you know, is always the best equation for most people unless you are really good at playing a character role. Um, So it just it just took time. And with everybody telling me I should do it, I should do it, I should do it. I didn't know how to go about just being like, oh, well, today I'm going to change my name. And I like Joe said, all my money where all the money was going to, it was like pulling teeth to get dues. It was, you know, it was hell and high water to get the gear itself. So now, oh yeah, well, maybe I do want to change my name, but I've got two sets of gear, my only two sets of gear, and they both say Chris Strong on it. So even if I change my name now, this is just not going to be something that's going to be doable because you can say it all you want, but when people read it and they just look at me and read my gear, they're going to see something else and it's just not going to be um, cohesive. And then I ended up getting injured, uh, after a year a year around i ended up getting injured a small injury that i just had to sit for five weeks but in those five weeks it gave me the opportunity to officially get new gear because maybe a couple weeks before i got injured i started having them announce me at future stars of wrestling as chris bay but the gear still said chris strong so sometimes you'd still get the strong chance and then other times people would try to start the bay chance but it wasn't official official and when i got to take that break and come back that's when everything kind of really just started to take off because i didn't feel like i was portraying a character anymore trying to figure out what this character should be portraying instead i was just having fun out there and being me and man everything just started to happen so quick after that joe did you did you um when you guys started using chris on the shows did you um did you book him in the sense of you knew that you were looking at something who was going to be um, basically right now an unpolished gem. You know, you, you kind of saw that there's a diamond there, but you're still kind of chiseling away to get to it. What was you guys' thought process on the early bookings of Chris? And at what point did you guys go, okay, now he's ready to kind of start moving up a little bit? Well, it's that period of time where it's it's really about getting experience and getting better. So initially, the first thoughts are we need to get this kid on the show. So at that point, you know, we only have eight or nine wins on the show. Right. And Cross is getting one of them for sure. But then you also got guys like Nick Bugatti and Greg Romero and all these other people that are kind of higher up the food chain at that point so you know i had forgotten we when chris was the champ he ended up wrestling bugatti and i didn't even realize that bugatti had beaten chris bay early on and they used that as part of the story because i had forgotten about it because chris put over a lot of guys early on and it's like you know i can't even give you the names because at that point he was like most of our students, when we put them on shows, they're just trying to get on, you know, the student showcase. Yeah. And we're trying to get Chris a good match. So maybe on the showcase, he wrestles one of our better dudes. And, of course, he's going to put him over because that's the guy that, that's, you know, in a position, in a feud, going after the No Limits title. And it's a pretty clouded memory to me. I know he'll know exactly when that was but for me it was like just getting them on shows then whenever it clicked i couldn't even give you 
the idea of like, hey, we're going to put him over here. And then we decided to run with it. You know, it was a guy who quickly got on the shows, but initially getting the wins wasn't what was important. We were trying to build him as a wrestler, as a guy that people in Vegas could be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like this guy. And then try to, you know, start making him climb the ladder. Where, as we said with Cross, Cross was like immediately protected and put in good positions. He was my personal assistant. I got sick. We let him roll. And it was like, oh, okay, he don't need me. As good as I may be, Cross didn't need me. And, you know, he skyrocketed straight to the title while Chris was the guy who made step by step. So he was, because of his size, the No Limits guys. So he was also in a tag team. So he had different opportunities to slowly rise the ranks. Because in most cases, that's what's going to happen, where you're going to win the secondary titles. And if you're good enough, you get to, you know, the promised land, which is the heavyweight championship. And it's funny. It's funny that we mentioned the secondary titles or things like the no limits title, because... Because it's because it's very hilarious how folks are going to bring up the No Limits Championship and totally disregard the fact that the (laughs) that 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 we got the undisputed FSW No Limits Champion Ice 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 William here in the building. What's good? I can't believe I can't believe Matt you let Ice Williams in your house. This is how we popping the folks, and Joe is good. Joe's good. Joe is good. He's good when, on when, when, did, when did you realize that? You should have realized it the moment you met. Joe, Joe, can you pass me the cup of juice before we continue this? Because you know I'm right next to you, all right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's all this limits talk, eh? Well, we're talking about Chris Bay. Maybe, maybe when you've had a few years under your belt, we could talk about you. <laughs> hey, well, since we're talking Chris Bay and No Limits, how about we sell out Sam's Town? Huh? We, we can sell out Sam's Town. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I think your girlfriend's calling you, Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, I, I go. I go. Hey, hey, if you're trying to sell out Sam's Town, come on, Joe. Uh, hey, you know what? For an anniversary, for an anniversary show uh, match, uh, you know, if Unfortunately, we were looking at July 18th where Chris Bay is going to become the X Division champion. So <laughs> it doesn't look like we'll be able to do Samstown then. But uh, I'd be more than happy to have Ice Williams wrestle Chris Bay for the No Limits Championship at the anniversary show. Ooh, Ooh there we go. Ooh, you're not trying to sell out Samstown. You know, we need a good undercard match to get yeah. things going. <laughs> okay. We can sell out. That's the only match you need announced, too. That's the only match you need announced, too. We'll, we'll sell it out. Cause I'm beating Chris. Wow. Cause I'm beating Chris. Wow. Now I'm taking that championship that I didn't get to hold for longer than a minute and a half. The shortest reigning no limits champion in the history of FSW, Chris Bay. I will uh-huh. rectify that title run. I will. I will. I will correct that. I both. I also believe you may have been the shortest tag team champion in the history of FSW. <laughs> that's <laughs> actually highly possible as well. I, th- I think that's you know, no, that. No fault. Of, no fault of your own. 
Hey, look, listen to me. When when you got to go to the bean, you got to go to the bean. That's what they almost do. had the Nevada State title. Almost, almost was the very first one. And you know, the guy we can't first. name any longer in FSW history cost you that one. Yeah, I know. I remember <laughs> it nowadays. It's just a one-on-one between me and Graves, which... Yeah, but somehow yeah. somebody else got pinned, I think. Yeah, I don't know. It must have been a fly or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there you go. So, And as the heavyweight <laughs> champion, you know, you're, you're right neck and neck with Remy Marcel because <laughs> he... He had the elite title, so that was the Grand Slam. You're you're missing the Nevada State Championship that, by the way, is also vacant at this moment. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh, I'm trying to come up on two titles. What's up? <laughs> I'm trying to come up on two titles. That's how you book the main event right there. What's up? You know, there's, we, can a turn, we can do a there, tournament there. style. I'm beating this man in the finals. You know, we, we can do this. I want the blue title. I we like blue. Do, okay, shut up. You know, let me talk. You know, we could do like a six-way ladder match with the No Limits title and the Nevada State title. Hanging what? On the on the hanging from the uh, ceiling, and we could have one champion or maybe two guys get two different belts. You never know. Six-man ladder match? I thought I thought we was main event and not opening the show. Oh. Well, you wanted the Nevada State too, so you know. Let's get it. And they all come to me, and I'll become CB6. <laughs> they all come to me. I have them all. Well, and Joe, you've never had, um, you've never had someone as a champion, a champion in FSW, while they were holding another title for another uh, major promotion, have you? Was, uh, Ricker, uh, was Ricker the Impact champion when he had the uh, heavyweight champion, or how did that? Was... Nope, that no, that that wasn't that. Okay. Uh, I was thinking Graves was the tag champ and the heavyweight champ at that time, or Hammerstone was the Nevada State and the tag champ. But time frame wise, not really sure. Like I think Hammerstone was the Nevada State and the. Uh, Heavy and the uh, tag team champion for a short time. Yeah, no. So, I think he, I think he's referring to a major company like outside of FSW plus the FSW titles. Yeah, so you'd have like if if Bay. Well, we're the major company, so I'm not sure of the other. <laughs> <laughs> but if Bay, if Bay, the FSW championship is the stepping stone, as we see, because <laughs> I like to talk about it on Twitter every other day. That the number one contender for the AEW championship is former FSW champion Brian Cage. Uh, Kevin is the number one contender technically since he's going after Adam Cole. So he could be the next NXT champion. Chris could be the next uh, X Division champion. Uh, Hammerstone is rumored to be in line to wrestle for the MLW heavyweight championship. And Eli Drake in NWA... Uh, just recently had lost a tag team championship, but he's also in line to get them back. So our last five champions have moved on to uh, bigger and uh, brighter things. So Ice Williams, you know, he might have a shot someday. (laughs) Yeah, it looks like you know how to breed champions. You know, if, if, if Ice Williams just keeps, you know, Doing all the grunt work for Chris Bay, getting his drinks, driving <laughs> around and doing that stuff. Maybe Chris will pass on the knowledge that he obtained. <laughs> because, you know, the only issue with Ice is 
you know, he likes to hang out and, and party too much. You know, Chris Bay, 24-7 wrestling. Yeah. So, 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 so you don't like Ice because he parties and gets the job done at the did same I, time. Did I say I didn't That's like crazy. you? I said that hopefully someday you can dedicate your career to being the best professional wrestler and not the best you know, dancer at the at the club. Ooh. That's all I'm saying. You know, there's no one one. I be getting it in and I be going off in the club. Okay, I be I be pucking it up. Okay, pucking out ooh ah. Okay. You know, you can't keep going over to Dre's and you know taking half empty bottles that Ti didn't finish yet. <laughs> what is you talking? <laughs> <laughs> He's cooking me. He's cooking me. I'm his champ. I'm the main. I'm, I'm the most important champion in the company, and he's cooking me. This is crazy. Oh, we. Oh, we. You know, you invited yourself on, so you know. I, I crashed the party. You invited me over to the crib, and I'm over there chilling with you. I ain't know you was gonna cook me like this. Well, Fourth of July is coming up, you know. We ain't, we ain't celebrating that. That's canceled on we our side. We ain't celebrating that. We did we did Juneteenth. <laughs> we, was on, we was on Juneteenth at Kenny House. <laughs> I wasn't invited. I was only invited to his his boy's uh, party at Aries House last week. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, so you was turning up and finishing the uh, the unfinished bottles. That was on you last time. That was on you I last. Have- Joe. I had to leave. I couldn't breathe from all the uh, intake smoke. Oh, all the uh, all the uh, RV dizzle, huh? Yeah, petroleum. Gotcha. <laughs> Boy, isn't it good how all the names we could throw out that hang out here in Vegas, man? Hey, because we got it lit, man. You got the best school, I, out. and I'm connected. Hey. Ice is connected. Ice is really connected. <laughs> yeah, say hello to uh, somebody. Hey, I met, I, I met I met RVD at Drake's. What you know about that? I met him at Drake's. I met RVD at Drake's. Well, I heard he gave you a good tip in the uh, in the bathroom that day. Nah, he gave it to me in the front door. I let it, I let him and his girl right in the front. Oh, no hunchy on the side. It was a straight handshake. Oh, okay, just checking. Cameras couldn't see that. We know how we know how you bouncers work. You know what I'm saying? Whoa. Yeah, and I'm going I'm to bounce out this chat, all right? <laughs> well, it was, it was a pleasure having you. It definitely was. I know. And uh, hit we'll me whenever you try to main, main event Samstown. I'm going uh, okay. to mop your boy, Bay. Well, hopefully we'll uh, see you uh, in about five or six weeks at the school training. For Ooh. sure. When, 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 uh, when y'all got training reopened. For sure, all right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, no limits champion ice cream. And wow, the celebrities, the celebrities are just crashing the party with the Vegas bad boys. And that's what happens when you just building all the stars, Joe. This is what happens. Where's your other boy? The uh, one half of the tag team champions is Shogun going to sneak up next. (laughs) You never know, right? The night, the night is young. (laughs) You know, speaking of that, this is really cool that, you know, ice was able to join in because, one of the things I find fascinating is the fact that you're still so young and you're, you know, building at such a quick rate. But like Joe said, 
your focus is on wrestling 24-7. How is it to you being now a mentor to guys like Ice and Shogun? Um, it's, it's cool. It's really cool because um, I just, like we talk about this all this time, I just love wrestling and I love this business and this business has been my life far before it's been my life. So I understand that, especially because a lot of people taught me this um, in my upcoming years and still to this day because I'm still in my upcoming years at that point. Um, but the whole idea and concept of paying it forward, you know, yeah. um, I always, where I'm from and what I do, I always thought the whole uh, value of everything was valued by the dollar. And by how much someone is making, or how much you're able to pay someone, or, or or what's in someone's pockets. But at the end of the day, the true value in life is knowledge. Everybody has a different range of knowledge that you can learn something from that can help you and uh, secure longevity in your life and in your career and in your goals. And I know that for me, especially with them two being uh, young black gentlemen in this business. I understand that there are certain things that other people won't be able to tell them or the people who will be able to tell them aren't close enough right here right now to tell them. So I feel not only do I feel a duty, but I feel like it's an honor and a privilege to be able to share a lot of these experiences with these guys and help these guys learn how to navigate in this business and uh, and keep their hunger and let them let these guys just understand what goes into what we have and what we built and what I have personally. And, and if I'm anything like what they want to be like or or I have a similar road that they want to drive down. I just want to be able to give these guys the gas and give these guys the, the, the GPS navigation and let them do their own journey for sure. But it's important. It's it's important to see my guys grow and to see these guys uh, develop. Like I remember uh, you talk about Shogun. I remember one of his first days of training, you know, just him being a tall, skinny kid like and you know he wasn't the 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 spectacle he is today and same like with ice like i remember first seeing ice and just the skinny kid with the little short little worms on his head didn't even have no length and always loud yeah he was loud when he walked in always loud i remember when he first came to see the school i was just i just remember like you could see you could see certain stuff in people's eyes yeah and his eyes have not changed he still got those crazy ass eyes but i remember just looking at him in his eyes and knowing that he has some type of passion or addiction for this. So if you care like I care or a fraction of what I care, then and you you show that you can put in the work because I didn't just jump on any of these guys. I always let people people's work ethic speak first before I go to take initiative on people because like Joe said earlier in this call, we hear so many people say this is their dream or we hear so many people come in and we never see them again or they last a week. You know, if we're being honest, my first week of training, there's probably three people that was in most of those classes my first week of training that are still around today. Yeah. The rest of them don't even exist anymore in the world of pro wrestling, you know, so that's just how the business goes. But these guys work hard. Yeah. These guys work hard and, and I need it's my duty to pass this knowledge on to these guys and help these guys and make sure that they can accomplish their goals. When, when they won the tag championships and, and the no limits championships, I uh, was it at no escape. Yeah. I was in California doing a uh, suburban fight, but I was in tears after my, after my match when I saw what had went down and I was watching the clips on my phone and I remember calling both these guys and just 
expressing how proud I was of them. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it's truly amazing. This is what it's about. I, I love wrestling and I love what I'm able to do, but the funnest part is watching my guys get to do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Joe, did you want to add something there? What? You're kind of breaking up. What I'm sorry. That? Did you want to add something, Joe? No, everything he said, you know, is, is the way it is. There's certain guys when they walk in the door and you know – a lot of these guys that are going to come in, just like when we reopened, we had about 13 new guys. Now we're into the next month. The question becomes, out of those 13, I'll be surprised if five or six come back for month two because it's way more difficult than people are going to believe. There's a lot of work involved that isn't just doing super cool moves like Chris Bay can do. It's it's learning the business. And a lot of people just don't have the mindset to spend a lot of their time to try to get to that next level. Like I'll always say, you know, the, the one with the most passion, the one with the most hunger, the, the one with the work ethic will make it any day over somebody who's physically looks gifted because... Sometimes they may have had it a little easy in the sport they were doing, and then they just come in and they think it's going to translate to, well, you know, I was, I was a good football player. I was a great linebacker. Oh, this wrestling shit's going to be easy. And they learn very quickly, you know, that it isn't. You're never going to beat the guy who's got the, the work ethic and the passion. It's the same thing when it goes to me when people came to Vegas to try to run shows and try to run against me. I was never concerned because I know – I'm going to outwork at 55 years old next month. Any 25, 30-year-old is not going to put in the work that I'm going to put in to try to make FSW as successful as it's become. Chris, did, did you see those qualities in Joe when you you know first kind of met him and got to know him? Did you realize that this was a person that if you listen to you know, his philosophies and his ethics, not only matching with your own, but finding that you could actually get almost mentorship out of, out of Joe. Because a lot of times people come into wrestling schools, wrestling classes, and they don't see much of the, um, the owner or the promoter. And uh, with Joe, you get hands-on. What is, what has that been like for you? It's um, once again, as it, goes back to just my whole way that I've changed my style of thinking and my, my style of living on an everyday basis. I, what, the first advice I was ever given in this business was from Kane, um, where he told me, this is maybe two weeks before I moved to Vegas, where he told me that uh, in this business, you, you give people the respect of listening to what they have to say if someone has something to say to you, but you apply to you what applies to you, and not everything is going to apply to you. But you always give people that respect to listen. So from that, um, with that in mind, when I moved to Vegas and I started meeting everybody, everyone had something else to offer. So I, any type of stigma of like, oh, well, the promoter doesn't know anything or the promoter this or the promoter that or, you know, or in, in Joe's case, you know, Joe hasn't wrestled. So he doesn't understand from the wrestler's perspective. Right. Instead of even right. trying to think of something like that, it's, it was more so me just, uh, you know, uh, ears open, mouth shut and hearing what was the quality of what 
he has to say. And then looking at the facts of things as well, when I got there, we were going to be coming up in the six or seven months prior or after we're going to be coming into the eight year anniversary. So that right there is a testament to the company itself and to the people in charge, because if you were able to last eight years and have an eight year uh, run and then it's only growing and getting bigger and bigger and bigger and things are still going up, then clearly the person in charge has a good idea of what the fuck they're doing. So you can, you know, understand that this person has something to learn from. And then it became more of a relationship where it was just, uh, you know, almost like that, that, uh, that, that elder in, in your, uh, in your life, just how I, how I look at Joe and how I, uh, listen to Joe and under, and want to learn the business, you know, because like, like Joe said, you have to want to learn this business too. It's, it's the work ethic. It's the inside the ring, the outside the ring, the knowledge of the business is why a guy like Kevin is so successful because he's a, such a smart guy and he pays attention to the business of things. So Joe has a lot to, to teach about the business of this thing because he's been running this company now for 11 years, coming up on 11 years, and he's been in the wrestling business for, what, 20, 30 years or however long you've been around, Joe. With, you know, I know you're doing the radio stuff before and everything else. Like you, So you have so much experience. You've met so many people. You've worked with everybody under the sun that you, know, you, wanna, that you need to talk about and learn something from. Of course, there's just things for me to learn from him. So the best idea is always just listening and just understanding that there's something for me to take away from every situation. It's not necessarily going to be everything, and we won't always see eye to eye on things. But as he knows, I will do business, and we can always come to some sort of an agreement and understanding because uh, we always look at the long run of things and look at where we're trying to get to or what why things don't make sense now but they will make sense in the future it's always a learning process joe has a lot to teach so i'm always willing to learn joe is that um is that something that uh you appreciate in guys like chris who are not the type of people who are going to um basically you know throw everything on you like oh joe's not doing this for me or joe's not doing that for me um, the people who actually want to learn from you and learn, you know, the business aspect. Is that something that you can see in certain people, like, right away? Uh, generally, it takes a little bit of time because they need to be comfortable coming up to me and having a conversation. You know, when somebody goes to training other than, you know, everybody jumps down because I'm the boss. They're going to shake my hand, say hello. But... When people get more involved in what we're doing on the shows, what their role is, things like that, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people who come in and all they ever do is have an idea about why they should be the champ and they should do this and they should do that. And, you know, little known fact is when we were putting together uh, the idea of Chris dropping the title to Graves, he was the one who came up with the idea of uh, Shogun winning, actually winning the Rumble and getting laid out because then it kept Shogun in a feud with Hammerstone and Graves by losing the opportunity to become the heavyweight champion. Yeah. And the more we thought about it, because we had different ideas of what we are going to do, and as I've stated, 
if somebody comes to me with an idea of doing something that I feel can get us to the same spot, most times I'm going to take that idea. But I thought this idea was actually better than the one that we had. So, you know, 100 out of 100, I am going to go with that. You know, the, the biggest misconception is when somebody doesn't get pushed the way they once were or whatever, now it becomes a personal issue. Oh, Joe doesn't like me now. It, it, it's always a reason, and the reason never seems to be them. You know, right. that's the biggest problem where guys, and you see them kind of fade out, and they kind of get utilized a little bit less, because they have a perception of what they want to do and what they want to go, because, you know, I'm pretty open. When people come to me, as long as they come to me, I'm not going to go out and say, hey, by the way, blah, 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 blah. But if somebody has an issue or somebody doesn't appreciate something that we're doing for them, it, it boggles my mind because they don't like a certain situation in FSW, but they'll go wrestle somewhere else and get jobbed out in no time and just do what they're told and not even have a thought of hearing their input. But somehow I'm the bad guy because... They're local, and they feel that, oh, you know, we had issues. You know, th there's always going to be issues. When we, when we finally came to the conclusion, or when I came to the conclusion, we're going to put the title on Chris Bay, there were some inklings on, oh, he's only 165 pounds. You're going to put the heavyweight championship on him? And it's like, well, he is the best option for where we are going. It had nothing, you know, he, he was probably the biggest fan favorite in FSW. He was one of the best workers. He was exciting. You know, if, if, if a guy who wasn't 220 pounds was going to win the title, then, you know, find me somebody other than maybe Damian Drake skill level wise, but he was still in the baby stages. Even though Chris has been wrestling for less, Chris was a little further along when it came to the total package. Right. So, you know, Chris is, was always going to be on that radar. Now, Chris and Brad, uh, Damian Drake had, you know, the match of the year a couple years ago at the FSW Arena, the first time it ever happened at, the, at, a, at a school show. And, you know, the ability of Damian Drake is, is fantastic. But Chris had all, he had that natural charisma yeah. that maybe Damian Drake doesn't have to where, it's kind of like when you talk about Willie Mack. He, you know, he, he, he's infectious. You know, he lights up the room. The minute you see him, it's like, oh, shit, Willie Mack's here. All right. You know, you know, we try to keep surprises or whatever. And with Chris, it didn't matter. You know, sure, Shogun's six foot four, six five, great shape. But to put the title on him over a Chris because of, because of the height makes no sense. You know, Shogun is probably on the short list if we had to pick three guys in FSW that could be the heavyweight champion in the next year. Shogun, you know, might be on the top of that list. But when we were deciding what we were going to do, there was nobody better than Chris Bay to make make that decision, especially after Carl Fredericks left. You know what I mean, Chris? Hey, man. Hey. Don't do that to me. <laughs> Don't do me like that. But again, that was an idea. We liked Carl a lot. We knew Carl lacked in certain things, 
but Carl was an option moving forward before we even, you know, and this was probably six or eight months before Chris actually won the title. It's like, you know, who's, who's in your mind as the guy can do it? Just like now when we're talking, you know, we're talking a Shogun, we're talking a Sefa Fatu. Those are probably the two guys that would top the list. Yeah. You know, a hero loses. Hero Lou is what Shogun was a couple of years ago. Yeah. Like he's that guy on the rise. He's the guy you look at. You know, the crowd seems to really like him. You know, he he's progressing a lot. He listens. Uh, unfortunately, we have to explain to him sometimes that you give too much. But you know, again, it's that learning process. Just because you think you're ready, doesn't mean you're ready. I'll know when you're ready. Chris, is it is it something about the training at FSW um, outside of you know your own worth work ethic that really has allowed you to flawlessly work with different wrestling styles, different body types, different characters, almost flawlessly. Um, you know, where do you get that from in terms of being able to wrestle someone like Damian Drake and then being able to wrestle someone like Luchasaurus? And it looks, you know, like, you know, you, you're just doing the, you know, it's amazing that you can do that with a guy so big and a guy your size. Right. Right. I think, um, I definitely attribute a lot of that to the school because, um, in wrestling, there's no real one way to do things a lot of times. And uh, contrary to what people may tell you, there's no like one way to do things. We have such an opportunity because we have trainers from every other promotion and and major promotion in pro wrestling. So I, there was days when I'd be in there with you know uh, Glenn, you know Disco, and then there's days when I'm in there with Kenny, and then there's days when I'm in there with sin and then there's days when i'm in there with the whirlwind gentleman and then there's days when i'm in there with kevin and then it's literally just uh, just every different type of person from different places that you could just work with so you're learning different styles of wrestling um what helped me work with big people was just the idea that i never put a cap on this for myself so when i started i always wanted to be the the very best i always wanted to be heavyweight champion uh and it's funny that i say that because as much as I always wanted to be heavyweight champion no matter where I went, I never saw it realistic of me doing it at FSW at first. Like It just seemed so far-fetched because that was my first um, really getting into business and seeing how big people really were. I was like, oh, well, I honestly don't know. But then it became something internally where I was just realized that there's a way to do it, and I just have to figure out that way, especially if I want to play in the big leagues. i got to figure out how to play with the big boys. And... Um, all the different styles that I've learned from every single different coach that I've been able to learn something from, I've been able to build a hybrid style that works with anybody and a style that's unique to myself and what works best for me. That was a part of my uh, learning pains when I was Chris Strong is that I just didn't understand what I was trying to portray or what I was trying to get to or what Chris Strong can or can't do as versus Chris Bay who can do anything and then especially once i came up with the whole concept of the art of finesse uh it really helped me build my own lane and navigate my own lane that was going to make me universal with any opponent 
And uh, but it all started with the different levels of training I got, not just one person telling me how to do everything and me just being like, okay, that's how you do it. No, it was back to that first thing, giving everybody the respect to listen. Okay, this person says do it this way. Kurt, uh, you know, Cody Hancock as well. This person says do it this way. This person says do it that way. This person says do it that way. Okay, well, in this match, this didn't really work for me. Why didn't that work for me? I don't know. Maybe if I tweak this right here, it'll make more sense. Oh, okay, well, let's tweak this right here. And then just making my own adjustments from everything, from what everybody told me, helped me navigate and become such a uni- universal performer. Yeah. yeah, You know, I'm going to add on a little bit to this on what Chris was talking about, because, see, the difference at FSW is this is a training school. Well, a lot of people who go to a regular training school, after they feel that they're ready, they go out and they try to get booked. Yeah. Now they're going to different promotions. They're doing different things. And the fact that we have a built-in promotion I think increases the value a hundredfold. Like I've never really thought about it until I heard Chris talking. And the fact of the matter is when Chris goes to Arizona to wrestle, he's just there to wrestle a match. Then he'll go to California. So it's going to be a month before he goes. So nobody's really going to look at the wrestler and say, Hey, you know what? You should tweak this. You should tweak that. In the FSW locker room, the majority of guys are localized, and the ones that aren't, like Hammerstone, you know, has been there forever. So the knowledge is easier to obtain because the body of work is all in the same place instead of scattered working 12 shows at 12 different places throughout the month. So the training into the wrestling, and then you can work on things because – Guys that were on the show may have seen something, but it's all the same guys that you train with also. So it's a lot easier to, you know, move forward and work on what wasn't working and work on what was working, you know. And it's it's a pretty interesting thing. And I because we're talking about, you know, the school and the success, like I always like to say we have great trainers. That's all fine and dandy. But the reason why people get better is because Ice Williams gets to be in the ring with Remy Marcel and Chris Bay and Kevin Cross and all these guys that are better than them that can help them get better. And in most cases, especially around, you know, the, the Southwest, whatever, there's only a couple of guys maybe worth the shit on, on the, at the training school. Yeah. So how are you getting better? You know, you're spending way more time at the school than you are doing a show every single month. So the opportunity of stepping in the ring, like for now, we got all these younger guys that are doing stuff. Well, they can work out with Ice and Shogun and Chris Bay and Cody and Remy and along with the regular trainers of Tom Howard and TJ and Kenny King and, you know, Sin and D'Lo that there's so much knowledge that as long as you're willing to absorb it, you can't help but pick up things. Yeah. No, that's that's a f- the very good point. Chris, speaking kind of of that, 
when you were looking at the school, when you're just looking at FSW in general, when you finally got here and you start, you know, doing your training and kind of build yourself up, was it very important to you or was it a benefit to you to have someone like Kenny King, who was an African-American wrestler who was successful that you could kind of look at and, you know, get advice about? Um, Cause like you said, you know, being able to mentor like ice and, and Shogun um, it's a perspective that, you know, someone who is, a white guy in this industry can't give you that, you know, someone who's black can give you was Kenny important to you. Oh, a hundred percent. Kenny, Kenny was a huge, um, a huge and is a huge mentor and role model for me in this business and in life. I was so grateful to have Kenny around and am so grateful to have Kenny around and, uh, to piggyback off of him as well. Uh, Elijah Burke, when I first met Elijah Burke, he and I were supposed to wrestle each other on a show, and 30 minutes before doors, the show got canceled. So uh, we didn't get to work each other, but we stayed in contact. And uh, you know, three years later, where we are now, he and I are really close, and we've had uh, countless trips together now. Um, so it's those those uh, experienced African American guys who have done this and won championships and been successful in this business and been places that I want to be and are, are great people you know like it always comes down to the individual too how great the individual are and, and kenny's just a great guy and i used to watch kenny on tough enough you know so <laughs> he was part of the huge reason why fsw definitely was a choice of mine i was once i saw his name his his name was the most familiar to me you know i knew um who Sinbodi was as the kizani character right. and um I, I knew like other people who had come through here, but as far as like our day to day trainers, Kenny was the one that I saw. And I was like, oh snap, that's Kenny King. Like, I remember him from Tough Enough. Like, that's the dude who was an Impact, the X Division champion. Like, okay, yeah, this is a guy from Ring of Honor. Yeah, I know him, and he's still active right now. Which him being still active right now is the best part because sometimes people can teach you certain things, but the business evolves every day. So whatever you may learn just may not work anymore in today's standards and uh the fact that he's still active right now he's not only telling me how things were back in his day and how hard they were for guys like me but now he's telling me how uh not only does it maybe does it still exist somewhere and i should stay away from that place but all oh, these are the places that are owned by some other black people or these are these are some places right here that would be good for you to go because there's good knowledge out there to go to go to or if someone says this to you this is kind of how you want to navigate this or if this happens again because i saw the way you handled it here maybe it'd be better if you handled it this way rather than this way because when i did it this way and so on and so forth so just the this all those things about it make it so much um more of a comfortable situation for me around FSW and around pro wrestling. And that's where I learned the concept of paying it forward. You know, that the same day that I met Elijah Burke was the same day that I met Scorpio sky and Desmond Xavier. And, uh, uh, both of those guys were incredibly nice to me that day. And we were able to make sacrifices and willing to make sacrifices for me that day. Just a green kid who was there for an opportunity. And, uh, just to see my own, take care of me like that uh reassured me that you know uh we we have 
great role models and people who will protect us in this business. You know, Joe, off of that, <clears throat> excuse me, is, is it, um, is it something that you look at or something that just kind of organically happens that you're lucky enough to be able to bring in certain talent. You also have established talent as trainers and you have established wrestlers who are, you know, on shows, um, you know, who live locally. Is it something that ever crossed your mind that one of the good things about doing that is that, like Chris said, you first meet someone and then you're going to potentially be either wrestling, you know, with them, against them, or coming across each other's paths almost on a constant basis. Does that help prepare someone on how to basically socialize in the community and kind of get an idea of how the politics work as well? Well, when we first started FSW, the, the goal was to have the best wrestling promotion. It happened to be in Vegas. So initially, the, the Vegas talent was pretty slim. Nothing had been going on for years. So locally, uh, Funny Bone was a local star, I guess you could say. He wrestled a lot in the NorCal area because there was nothing going on in Vegas. Uh, Legacy who had his own school and was basically part of the hater nation. But Kenny King was the, the mainstay guy. He was the guy that if we're going to be successful is and, and keeping in budget, Kenny's the guy that we need to be the main face of FSW. And then disco Inferno happened to live out here. So we kind of incorporated disco as, as a local guy. But as time progressed, we were able to get more local talent. But I felt my strongest suit was having an eye for talent. So I early on brought in the Reno Scum. I brought in Brian Cage. I brought in Eli Drake. Now, some of them, the Young Bucks, as I said, worked the very first show. You know, I'd be on YouTube, I'd be looking, people would send me stuff, you know, and the idea was we're trying to be the best that we can be. How can we do that? And, you know, moving forward, getting the talent, whether it's local, whether it's outside, booking the guys, you know, we happened to do a show in Mesquite. They wanted big name guys. That was the first time we really ever did something like that. And like we may have used like a Paul London or, you know, a Eugene that we used. But these guys were, you know, shooting for the for the fences. And they were like, hey, what about Kevin Nash? You know, I gave him a list of guys, John Morrison. And it's like, well, you know, for what you're paying us, we can't afford to bring them in. And they paid and I remember the show cost almost like 20 grand because, you know, we had Nash and Morrison and we had already booked like Paul London and Brian Kendrick in the tag. And, and we had Eugene, who we had a good relationship with. And we saw the value. You know, we saw a guy like John Morrison wrestle Kenny King. And despite just being out of the WWFE, whatever it was called back then, seemed like a super cool guy. 
and that's also part of it, trying to get the best locker room you can get. And if people get along with each other, despite the fact that you say, hey, it's a brotherhood, it's all this, it is also competition to want to be the best, and some people aren't very nice. So you try to thin the herd, you try to make it a good locker room. You know, recently we had our issues, and we had to clear out some people out of the locker room. And the thing is... By bringing in those names, I was just thinking off my head as Chris was talking, you know, Chris, in a short time in FSW, it's only been a few years, but he's worked, you know, he worked Phoenix, he worked Daga, he worked Cross, you know, who else, Chris? You, you know, he, you, he's worked so many guys that we've brought uh, in from Scorpio Sky, Down you know, Kenny King himself, you know, Scorpio Sky and, Ken, and Chris Bay was a last-minute addition to the Mecca because uh, Teddy Hart's boy Jack Evans didn't show up. And Chris was supposed to wrestle Jack Evans, and Teddy Hart was supposed to wrestle John Morris. Well, everything imploded when uh, Jack Evans didn't show, but beforehand, we already were going to turn it into a tag match because Teddy Hart was a champion at MLW. He wasn't going to put over Morrison. So we were going to build it into a tag match. And instead, it ended up being a three-way. Huh. And yeah. same thing. Actually, it was for the tournament, if I remember correctly. Yep. So it was the tournament. And the idea was Scorpio Sky was supposed to wrestle somebody else. So Sammy I guess I'm, I'm, I guess I'm on the wrong meccas. It was Sammy, Sammy. He was supposed to wrestle Sammy Callahan. Right. Sammy night. Callahan was in in uh, I think Warrior Wrestling. He wrestled like four shows in two days. Was like, oh, bro, I'm really banged up and beat. I'm like, okay. So we switched it out, and we added Chris to the match. And initially, we were going to have uh, Scorpio Sky go over, and my son, the actual first trainer of Chris Bay. <laughs> he's like aren't you gonna have chris go over and i was thinking i'm like well you know and then i'm like as the more i thought about it i'm like yeah you know what it's good to have the local guy it's gonna be a four-way elimination so not only will chris get to work scorpio sky in a singles match which opened the show tore the house down one of the best matches on the show then he got to be in a four-way teddy got hurt against pj black and then uh, Chris got to work Brian Cage and John Morrison in the main event. Little did I know back then, Chris had a YouTube video. Yeah, YouTube and John Morrison, you know, meeting him, and we ended up doing a whole storyline with Chris and John. <laughs> that Chris, that was like the guy he most wanted to be like was John Morrison, and it's crazy how in this small world of a guy from Virginia. And a WWF superstar from California got to do it up in Las Vegas at FSW. Chris, yeah, it worked out perfectly. Yeah, what what is that like for you? You know, being someone who obviously was a fan, and you know, still are a fan, obviously, you know, because of your passion for wrestling to get to work with some of the guys that you looked at and respect and, you know, could learn and um, actually get some wins over. Was it, was it fun to just 
you know, start that process here because obviously you're going to go on and, you know, people are going to be looking at you one day going, that's the guy I want to wrestle. Yeah. I, um, I think it's really crazy how everything ended up working out. Uh, and it's so cool that that story could exist of a young me meeting John and then fast forward to when we brought him in for when stars collide and I was helping set up the ring and I was just so happy to see him again. It's always been a major fan of his. And, uh, I remember, excuse me, afterwards while set, while tearing down the ring, I wasn't on that show. Um, but I remember after tearing down the ring, asking him if I could take a picture with him because I wanted uh, to have a comparison side by side from when we met when I was 10. <laughs> and uh, I remember like telling him after we took the picture how I hope that I get to wrestle on the same show as him one day. And uh, to fast forward to that day when I came in and just expecting to be and I think I was going to be like in a five-way no limits match and hearing that Sammy Callahan wasn't showing up and then I found out I'm wrestling Scorpio Sky and I'm like, okay, cool. That'll be easy. I've wrestled him a million times at this point. Like, um, and uh, then it's like, okay, you're going up and you're going in the main event with John and Brian. And you're, and then I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh. And it's like, well then. And for me, it's always just like, okay, well, it's order of operation. So I got to get through the match with Sky first in order to get to that. So I need to focus on this thing first. But um, it's dream scenarios, man. Like, it's so easy in the ring with guys like that because you not only because of how professional they are and how many of the legends they've been in the ring with. Like I've watched him super kick Shawn Michaels countless times, you know. Yeah. Uh, so here we are now in the scenario where I not only am I comfortable with him and I know all of his moves, but it's literally something I've envisioned a million times. I can't tell you how many times I stood in front of my TV watching a John Morrison match and staring you know when the the roman cameras on a shot of him and i'm just staring at him in his eyes and he's looking at whoever his opponent is but i'm looking at this guy so now we're really across the ring from each other and it's really all real it's a lot to take in it's a lot to process but um the same way that night i faced scorpio sky in the first opening match and it wasn't a nervous situation yeah. it was the first time we had wrestled one-on-one -on -one in vegas but we had already had a one-on-one -on -one at Maverick to end 2017. We had a one-on-one -on -one at Hollywood to open 2018. We had had a triple threat with Kenny King. We had had uh, a handful of matches against each other. So at that point, uh, and the first time I wrestled him, I was super nervous. So at that point, like, okay, I got the experience. I'm a little bit more confident. I can get through this one tonight easily, more easier than in the past because it's not something new to me. And I'll leave my nerves for this main event match with my <laughs> idol in this and monster brian cage so uh, what you're saying what you're saying is next time you see sammy callahan at impact you need to buy him dinner because it was <laughs> it wasn't for sammy callahan no showing who knows where chris bray's career would be today 100 i hope he doesn't hear this because he will expect that dinner <laughs> and, and i know sammy will eat a lot so <laughs> yeah exactly um it's cool it's crazy cool man because like like you said I, I do get those scenarios now sometimes where these guys, these younger guys will will wrestle me or uh, want to wrestle me or express their want to wrestle me and uh, talk about, like I remember when we did the, uh, the night that I won the heavyweight championship uh, at FSW at Samstown, I remember we we're going over the rumble 
and uh, I was going to eliminate Mondo Rocks. And he told me as we're going over his stuff, um, you know, I didn't I didn't want him to have a generic elimination. I didn't want to just throw him over the top. You know, I want to I want everybody to be able to, you know, shine and get in there and and show that they can hang with people because that's the only way we can all uh, establish some sort of importance with each other is if there there's some sort of a, a belief in what we're doing. So I remember him telling me, like, I just think it's really cool that last year. Uh, and against all odds, I was sitting in the crowd here in Samstown, and I watched you win the Rumble, and you almost beat Hammerstone. And then tonight, I'm in the Rumble with you, and I, I get to get eliminated by you. Like stuff like I remember, like I still remember that story because I remember like looking at Mondo and thinking like, "Wow, that's actually really cool." Like he he was just in the crowd, you know, wanting to wrestle for FSW, wanting to wrestle at Samstown, and then a year later, the guy he watched do the same thing the year before is you know in the ring with him and he's he's getting this moment and i'm getting this moment and it's those moments are what keeps this business going is being able to wrestle people that we idolize and people that we can learn from so then we can teach the younger ones and the stories keep going on and on and on and on and so on and so forth uh, you know even with me and willie mack right now at at impact you know it's yeah. new to the world but for me, you know, me and Willie, Willie has been an opponent and a thorn in my side for for many years. When I was first supposed to wrestle Luchasaurus years ago and he went down to a bicep injury, who was the surprise opponent? Willie Mack. Then I was supposed to wrestle uh, one of the Chris brothers at a dark light show a couple months later and they got a concussion. And who was the surprise opponent? Willie Mack. This is everything. Well, two, two years ago today, I flew back from Texas. So me and another guy, I won't mention his name, tagged with Willie Mack against Hammerstone and, uh, I believe it was like Thomas Day and someone else or some something rather to sort. But me and Willie have such a long history, history, but it all started with me knowing him from Lucha Underground and being like, wow, that's the dude I seen on Lucha Underground. That's the Willie Mack dude. Like, this guy's so cool. This guy's so awesome. And then being like, man, I don't know if I could ever wrestle against him. And then wrestling against him and then wrestling against him and then tagging with him and then being on the road with him. That's this. It all keeps this business going and going and going and going. That's how the stories keep going. You know, and Chris says that as a wrestler – and being the promoter and, I, you know, I was a lifelong wrestling fan. And it's like every day I walk in the office, I'm always glancing over because we have all the big posters from the big shows. And yeah. it's like, holy fuck, man, we have had so many dudes that, you know, some of them, you know, you grew up with. Like, you know, I see the one poster of the Mecca where it was Tommy Dreamer against Kevin Cross. And, and then you see the other one. Even a show that we didn't bring in a lot of people that was probably maybe the biggest show we ever had which was our 10-year anniversary show and you know it's chris and cross in the main crisscross in the main <laughs> event you know we got tjp we got we had doug and we had sepafatu and hammerstone and it's like most of these guys basically call fsw their home yeah. and not counting like Wow, great moment when we brought in Pentagon and Phoenix. And yeah. it's like just all these guys that have come through the door. Like Chris Bay's whole situation changed because Sammy Callahan didn't show up for a show. Would Chris be where he is today? Yeah, of course. But the moments, you know, we had John Morrison, the guy he grew up idolizing, help him win the FSW Heavyweight Championship. And this had nothing to do with Chris saying, Hey, Joe, you know, I had this thing with John Morrison. It just was a storyline that I had an idea with Hammerstone and to set up Hammerstone and John Morrison in a steel cage a few shows later. Yeah. And it's just like 
it's amazing how things have come together. And the amazing part even more is the fact that so many things have changed, but I truly believe in most cases it ended up being better than what it probably would have been. Yeah. As good as, good as Sammy Callahan and Scorpio Sky may have been, and Scorpio Sky came out in the Apollo Creed, it was a what, what a way <laughs> to start the show. But Chris was now really gaining traction, and he was the hometown hero, you know? And it was like, you know, everybody loved Cross, everybody knew Cross, but, but Chris was that, that next guy. He was the guy on the rise that had the personality, the character that, you know, all the fans loved Chris. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's such an easy transition. Moving forward, the problem becomes now we're trying to find that next guy yep. who has all of that. You know, there's a lot of guys that have three out of the four, four out of the five. But, you know, finding somebody who who the people really want to get behind. They love seeing him. He, he works his ass off. You know, there's great wrestlers, but then there's the special ones. And that's why, you know, Chris deserved everything he got. It wasn't, hey, you know, he buddies up with Joe. You know, we don't have to ever worry about that. We're not that promotion where the owner's the guy who's paying the bill. So he's the champ and he sucks <laughs> and he brings in guys to wrestle him. So he could just say, hey, I beat this guy, that guy and the other guy. But when you watch the match, you know, he's garbage. Yeah. You know, and FSW, the guy doing the booking is the huge wrestling fan. So I look at it as a wrestling fan. I'm going to expect these motherfuckers to pay 50 bucks to see that shit. Yeah. No. The idea is we always constantly growing. Like when Kevin was an impact, like I love everybody signing at impact because we get to still use them. We use Willie Mack. Delo's in the office. We can use who we need to use. We use Chris. We use Kevin. We use Callahan. We use the Rascals. It's like there's so much talent that despite everybody getting signed, even the WWE and Impact and Ring of Honor, a lot of exclusive contracts, there's more talent today than there was 10 years ago. Yeah. That guys can leave and they're replaceable with somebody that now has to get over a little bit. But the talent is there. There's so much more talent than there has ever been in this business. Chris, um, is there something that sticks out to you um, as your funniest memory of Joe? <laughs> There's got to be a hundred of them. What do you mean? You're gonna that's like saying which of your hundred kids is your favorite. Right, right. <laughs> well, you know, you, know. you got to have a favorite. Oh, man, you put on the spot here i was i wasn't expecting Remember, it's that. not a pg show so you can say however you want to say yeah i i gotta i gotta think of something it's just been so many good memories it's, well usually it's probably what made you laugh the most was me burying somebody oh yeah 100 it's, it's always it's always a good burial every time i come in every <laughs> time I come in. it's that's, entertaining that's, at least you know my favorite is uh actually the story between uh Two knuckleheads in the locker room. I'm, I'm gonna leave the names blank here. Let's call them Tom and Jerry. Okay. Oh, I'd, I'd rather hear their names. 
Hey, listen to me. You, we don't say these names no more. That's the reason. Oh, oh. <laughs> names that have been forsaken in the history of FSW. <laughs> but um, the story goes, we're in the back, and this is probably, I'm probably like uh, three months at the company. Um, so I'm not on this show. I, I'm just back there, you know, doing the student thing. And uh, someone, I, I think uh, Ricker's about to defend the two-week championship, and something happens in the locker room between Tom and Jerry where they're fighting over money. And uh, <laughs> Jerry is telling Tom that he needs to give him his money because he bought some gear off this guy that this guy did not make. Um, oh, I remember that. Joe, we know where we're going here. <laughs> so he buys his gear off someone uh, that did not make the gear. So he's pressing him for the money. He's pressing him for the money. And uh, my favorite part is, is before it even gets to the Joe part is how it all starts because the guy asked Nino for advice on the situation. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'd go get mine. Yeah, I'd go get my money. If someone owed me, yeah, I'd go get it. So immediately the guy's like, all right, cool. Hey, where's my money, man? Just like starts walking over to this guy and confronting him in the locker room. We're supposed to be in this professional setting. So these guys are bickering back and forth and they're about to fight. They're about to fight. So Joe comes over. Joe's like, what, what, the, what, what the hell is going on over here? You know, trying to figure out what's going on. And then the value gets dropped about the amount of money. And this is where I just lose my shit because we're all talking, talking, talking. And you just hear, yeah, no, no, no. You're going to give me that $20 you owe me. Ah. And then everybody kind of just like gets the side head tilt and looks over. And Joe's like, $20? I'll give you the $20 if you shut the fuck up. And Joe just whoop. Pulls out his cash and gives this guy the twenty dollars, and he fucking like gives one more threat to to Tom and then walks away. And the scenario just just dialed down. But yeah, I'll never forget the look on Joe's face when he heard the amount. When he heard that all yeah, this. Yeah, I was like, holy fuck, twenty bucks. And then <laughs> I also heard. Now those rumors are unconfirmed that the guy pulled out a knife. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. I've heard that he pulled For out twenty a knife. bucks. Yeah, <laughs> he slapped him too. He did slap him too. He Jesus. slapped him. He uh, he, he grabbed him by his collar. He was gonna pull out that knife, and uh, then my moral of the story is: if I would have let the guy beat his ass for twenty bucks and he never came back again, we would have been less out of probably a thousand dollars and a bunch of fucking equipment and other shit. So, oh, hundred percent, it would have been a great a great decision. But you know, hindsight's twenty. It would have been like a Bronx Tale. You mean you don't see this guy anymore for twenty bucks? <laughs> it's yeah. good times. That good times. Look, look in your eye, man. Just twenty dollars. Twenty. I'll give you the twenty dollars if you shut the fuck up. I'll give you. The yeah, we're lucky. We're, we're lucky that guy didn't destroy the other guy for the twenty bucks. Oh man, that guy was a true destroyer. You know, no doubt. Um. So flipping it, Joe, what's uh, your funniest uh, memory of Chris? Oh. <laughs> I, I honestly, I'm not a funny guy. <laughs> Joe, Joe's like, yeah, he's not. I'm just trying funny. to think of you know of a funny story. Yeah, it's because I'm usually all business around you. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna have to like try to come up with that one uh, as a an addition, a, a bonus, a Easter egg for next week or something. Yeah, because, yeah, we can we can revisit. You know, it. offhand. Between you know, funny story. Yeah, 
you know, there there was amusing things, but I, I don't think that one really, you know, stood out. Yeah, I'm trying that to I could really think of offhand. I'd be all business around Joe, but just just because this question is asked, I'm going to be coming around with a lot more jokes nowadays. <laughs> Um, you know, we've had numerous conversations about certain people that uh, Chris may not have cared for, <laughs> you know. Built up on my burials of people. <laughs> I, don't, I don't bury people. I don't bury people. Okay, I've buried a couple people. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we, we have a really good relationship. And, and again, most of our guys who stick around in the business – I have good relationships with because they see that I'm fair and I'm honest and I'm upfront and I'm willing to, you know, if something's the shits, I'll tell you it's the shits, you know, and I'm proud of the fact that a guy like Chris Bay, a guy like the Reno scum, Kevin cross, you know, Hammerstone, all these guys can, say something extremely positive if you ask them about me like i there's so many guys from the norcal area that i never really used but i get so much respect from them when they're trying to get booked on the show because the reno scum have put me over a hundredfold to all these guys that has helped my reputation as being you know, one of the few really good promoters. Yeah. And the word spreads. It's like, you know, the, the, the most proudest thing about FSW is the fact that if you go to Arizona Wrestling Federation, it's really future stars of wrestling Arizona. Yeah. It's like two-thirds of the roster is just from our promotion. Mike Rain at Best of the West uses a ton of FSW guys. If you're trained at FSW and you say FSW, your foot is a lot easier to get in the door. Yeah. Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, Championship Wrestling from Arizona, you know, Devotion, Manny Lemons runs in Utah. You know, Sefa was their first champ. It's like so many of our guys are the top guys at all these other wrestling companies throughout the Southwest, the West Coast, and... That's the the best thing for me is seeing that the guys that we nourished and we put under our wing that have worked hard are basically able to go out there and live their dream. And sometimes it's a little lower level, but then there's the guys like Cross and, and Chris who are now, you know, top guys in two of the major companies in the United States. Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Um, Chris, for you, thinking back on the matches you've had, what is your favorite match that you've had at FSW? Um, man, it's 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 cool because I've had so many that I just want to classify in that category. Between um, the match of the year 2018 with me and Damian Drake, which we already spoke about, that one was just very sentimental to me because it was on the uh, anniversary of my father's passing. So uh, that was two years after that. And, 
you know, uh, me, me and my dad's relationship was built off of my addiction for wrestling. A lot of the, the stuff that we did or talked about. So for me to two years after that, uh, with him in my heart, fully in my heart and in my mind and soul, to go out there with the guy that I had my very first match against, one of the first guys I bonded with when I moved here to Vegas because of us being the same age and whatnot. Um, you know, uh, it was uh, it was just very emotional, and um, my heart was really in that performance. And I got to share the ring with him. The, the audience respected it. Joe loved it, which is always awesome because at that point, I don't think I had a handful of matches that Joe would actually be like, "Oh yeah, I like that match," but. You know, uh, you know, he'd always tell me if I did a good job or not, rather, rather or not, or let me know if it was okay. But you know, I, I think he liked that one, and just from an all-around perspective, uh, everything about that match just always comes. It, and then it's in that arena too. It wasn't at Samsung. It wasn't. It was right in the arena in the building that my career started, where I had my first match, where I touched my first ring, where I took my first bump, where I got my first injury. It's, it's everywhere in that building. Um, so it was just. What about that Matt Classic with Heck Dynamite? Hey, listen to me. Hey, <laughs> listen to me. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't got time to put over WrestleMania's future main events and, and Bound for Glory main events and, and Double or Nothing main events right there. That one's a classic. That one's gonna have to go in the vault for a while. Heck Dynamite and Chris Bay, they'll they'll find out about it sooner or later, Joe. That one, sooner or later, yeah. If, if make- I'll chime in, I'll yeah. I'll say my favorite one. As much as I really liked uh, Chris Bay and Damian Drake, obviously the match of the year, when he wrestled at the Mecca against Scorpio Sky, you know, everything clicked. Like I said, Scorpio Sky came out to the old, you know, to uh, the Apollo Creed, red, white, and blue. And, you know, the crowd was so hot. And Chris delivered, I truly believe, the best performance to that point. To where, you know what, I'm glad we put him over because he really deserved it. And as good as the three-way was after the fact, because Brian Cage and John Morrison made Chris at their level at that time where he was trying to get to that level. And it's, it's amazing how those two guys, been in the business forever, made the young local kid look like one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling. But the match with Scorpio Sky, match-wise, you know, crowd-wise, it was like the big fight feel, championship fight, first round of a tournament to crown a champion. Uh, To me, that was the best match. And we still have Chris Bay, uh, you know, as part of the finals of the new Mecca Grand Champion. Yeah, and I will be taking that championship and making myself CB, whatever the asterisks will be at the time when the time comes, I will be the championship week. I will be the next Mecca Grand Champion. I was going to beat John Morton. You the first round again, I forgot. You said, who did I beat in the first round? Yeah, when we did our last show in March. It was was so long ago. It was Daga. I beat Daga. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's right. You beat Daga. Main event of the last FSW show to this date. I did that at the last Mecca. The last live show in wrestling, I believe. That was one of the last yeah. live shows before this whole pandemic happened. Two, two nights in a row, you got to wrestle another great match with Tessa Blanchard at the uh, ToyCon. Yeah. yeah, you had her defend the Impact World Championship. Joe's got yes. the, oh, Joe's I got tried the, to give you the shot. I was hoping you were going over. 
Hey, you know what you know what the phrase says, all I really need is one shot. That doesn't mean that I win every shot, but it means if you give me the one, I might just I might just finesse it. That's what that means. That's, that's, what, that's, that's what your boy that's what your boy DJT said. <laughs> oh man, hey, that, hey, listen to me. That's 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 my guy right there. That's Chris Bay's driving buddy. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that might be one of my favorite Joe moments right there on commentary saying DJT is my driving buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought the uh, I thought your favorite moment on commentary for me was uh, after uh, Damian Drake got injured and somebody came into the ring. Oh man! Oh. <laughs> you know what? Little know how truth it was. <laughs> hey, I'm so weak. <laughs> it's available live on Twitch. Hey, I'm so weak. Yeah, I gotta go check that out. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go check that out. Yeah, Joey's shooting up your, people. Your, your boy Ice outed me on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like I'm looking across the room at Ice right now. He's giving me that face from yeah. across. A, a former FSW guy uh, uh, railed me for making those statements. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. Hey man, you win some, you lose some. Honestly, hey, you know what? If you can't have fun doing stuff just like you do in wrestling, then what's the whole fucking point? Hundred yeah. percent. People look for these authentic moments and in these little moments that just make you realize this stuff is still somewhat reality based. Um, getting back to the mat, my favorite match though. Before we even get off that topic, because oh, I, I thought you said you had the match. Oh, I'm I, sorry, I, I interrupted I said you. Damian Drake. I said Damian Drake, but I did want to mention. Oh. Um, Two more, just for the sake of mentioning it. Uh, of course, the triple threat with John and uh, Cage because it was my first time getting to wrestle John, and that just was something that I never thought I'd be able to cross off of my bucket list. And then th uh, third place, but not actually third place, would be uh, me and Hammerstone for the heavyweight championship because it definitely uh, – the second time when I won the title because it definitely uh, just helped solidify – everything that I've done in my life up to this point and um, the belief that Joe has in me and, and the fact that Vegas has accepted me as uh, their guy because I do claim this is my home now. And uh, as much as I still get announced from the Bay Area AVA, this is really my home. I do consider this my home. So that was just a very emotional match. If you watch that back, you see as soon as the three fall, the, the, the three count goes, uh, I had that moment to myself just sitting there with my hand in my head or my hands in my face, you know, because I, I couldn't stop crying. And it was just one of those moments that just, uh, you know, it was just oh so real, you know, like it was just oh so real. And people rejoiced and, and people in the crowd were in tears. You know, it was it was great. I, I can honestly I can honestly say a tear welled in my eye when that moment happened. I looked over at my son and he really had tears in his eyes. Yeah. You know, seen that he was your first trainer, you know, <laughs> obviously a very special moment for Joey DeFalco. Yeah, he, he he almost made me crack because as uh, John lays out Hammerstone with the Moonlight Drive and then John comes over and gives me the Iggy and uh, as I'm crawling uh, through outside to get to the top rope, I see Joey ringside taking photos and I'm climbing the top rope and he's already crying. So like, <laughs> I still got to do this frog splash and I'm just looking at him and he's, he's already just like in the moment more than I could ever be in the moment, you know, so I, I remember seeing Joey's face. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool to me. If make you're gonna ask me, that would be that would be the best Chris Bay moment for me. So there you go. There we go. There we go. It was the it was everything that happened and then 
culminating it all that you know that's the pinnacle that means he just got to the top of the mountain everything he worked for you know we joke about the shortest no limits champion and a couple of those tag runs and and everything he did but that solidified him as the man when he beat because he knows how much i love hammerstone yeah and it was going to take somebody special in my eyes to take that belt off Hammerstone. Yeah. yeah. And even Hammerstone, afterwards, I remember Hammerstone, um, when I got through the curtain, he came back to me and he said something that just meant a lot to me. And he was just, just saying that uh, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't drop the belt for anybody who he didn't think, you know, deserved it. Yeah. And uh, he said that I deserved it. And that right there was just like, that, that means a lot to me too because uh, you can – do you can succeed as much as you as you want in this business um and people tell you all the time this business ain't about making friends and it's a lonely road um but when you do earn the respect of your peers and your your man like that like a guy like hammerstone is of a, such a magnitude and such a um a special person and everywhere he goes he's just treated with the utmost respect and put in the most prominent spots so clearly he's of value and he knows of uh value so I don't care what type of way I might have second-guessed myself or anyone else second-guessed me or anyone else thought anything about me in that moment right there when he told me that and he verified that it was it was just exactly what I needed to hear to, to know that I'm doing things correctly. Yeah, that's, I mean, you know, how remarkable when you think about that where you can have a match with someone who has meant so much to Joe and for him to, you know, acknowledge the fact that this is the right thing. And, you know, it's just, it, it means so much. And obviously now, you know, being with impact, it's, it just shows that it was a matter of time and, Everyone all around, yourself, Chris, your work ethic, your training outside of the wrestling ring as well, being in the gym, um, and Joe, you know, seeing what he saw. And I think this, the heart of the thing with you, Chris, is that Joe could see you for the talent you are because Joe saw it through the eyes of a fan. And I right. love that. I love the fact that, you know, it wasn't just, oh, yeah, we're going to put him over because he'll make money. You know, it's like everyone always talks about those promoters out there. It's just about money or about their friends. And, right. you know, you, you've you gone on to prove. Well, Chris, Chris, Go ahead, Joe. I was going to say Chris is the perfect fit because, you know, everybody who has opinions, you know, Joe loves Joe only loves the flippy flop guys. Yet my yet my champions were Eli Drake, Kevin Cross, Brian Cage, Hammerstone, Graves, you know, but I only love the flippy flop guys. So I finally got a flippy flop guy to be the heavyweight champion. So <laughs> All right, final word uh, Chris for you and then we'll have a final word from Joe. Okay, was this about anything? Anything, anything, anything you you can Come think on, of. Interviewer, you ask a question. You're the interviewer. 
Yeah, like you either got one or I can, I can, I can just go. I can go if you want me to you go. go. Hey, you go. I taught you well. You go. Yeah. Okay. You go the way I taught you to go. Well, the the way Joe taught me to go is first things first. We put over the company, Future Stars of Wrestling. Man, I I can't thank Future Stars of Wrestling enough. I people say what they want to say or feel how they want to feel or think their school is the best or whatever the case is, but man. I can't thank this company enough for helping me realize my dream and live my dream and, and do things in this industry and make a career for myself. You know, uh, um, I said it before and I will be getting an FSW tattoo at some point uh, nice. because it's just Why not so much. Why not go to tattoo, bro? Hey, man, I'm going to give you a portrait on my cat. <laughs> hey, oh, okay. As long as it's got me with it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Rocky T, a small version underneath. Yeah, I'm gonna get a tattoo of, of Joe DeFalgo with a Rocky T tattoo. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> good, yeah. But you and Rocky, man, thank you guys for honestly taking a chance in me and believing in me and, and trusting in me that I, I would, you know, do this company justice and, and be able to be a, a front runner for the company and put on for the team because this is my life and I do take this very seriously and I always would take this very seriously and I'm always trying to look at how to better the situation and how to make things better and how to add value. So everything that I'm doing right now and with Impact Wrestling and whatever I may end up in the future will all be a part of the grander scheme to bring more attention and eyes to our product here in Vegas and do something crazy for our city and for well, what you've already done and, and help out what you've already done. Like I said, 11 years that this company has been going and um, one of the biggest honors is main eventing the 10 year anniversary against the guy that you, you guys built before me and um, having that big fight feel of the two built guys in Vegas. Like there's just so many countless moments that I've had with this company and with the people at this company. You know, I don't have people at this company that I did not really like, you know, there was a lot of guys who, I maybe had a slight issue with in the beginning. Yeah, the, there's, there's a few pricks, you know. Yeah, you know, and, and that's how it is anywhere. But, we, but they're, they're gone now. Yeah, they're, they're gone. And then the ones who were pricks in the past, some of them who were pricks in the past have evolved and aren't that yeah. way anymore. And, uh, yeah. You know, uh, I, I just I just got love for this place, man. It's my home. It's my family. You know, Joe knows. I came down, you know, what, two weeks ago or whatever to help a little bit with the moving when you guys were renovating, you know. I'm I love this place, and I will always do what I can to help this place and help uh, continue this and build stars and make sure that people know that if you want to live your dream, if you want to become a success in this business, that you go to future stars of wrestling. Everybody, no matter where I've gone in the country, it hasn't been the world yet because I do have my passport, but you know the world has shut down, kind of. But everywhere you finally, I've gone in this country, you finally you got your passport right at the time Corona hit. It's crazy. I was supposed to be overseas right now, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I thought you got in the passport in July. I guess I was wrong. Well, what happened was, uh, yeah, was yeah, we... July and then Impact told me that they were coming to Cali and they wanted me to show up on a Thursday when they were coming on a Friday. So I kind of had to put that money towards getting myself to Cali. And, uh, you know, like you, like you, like we said before, taking those risks um, and putting it all on the line for this. Uh, it's 
but I tell anybody, man, if you want to be a star, you want to make it in this business, come to Future Stars of Wrestling. Everywhere I've gone in the country, people have told me, oh, you're from FSW, man. I want to go out there. I want to go out there. Who do I talk to about going out there? Everybody wants to be a part of us, and that's all for great reason because they see we produce quality. Like Joe says, it's FSW running locker rooms everywhere we go, whether it's Arizona, whatever. It's the Vegas car that comes in and adds that, fl- that flavor and that spice. It's the Vegas car that goes in California and, and uh, doesn't just have that California style of wrestling. And now we got that Vegas mix in there because we go hard at FSW and we got people from all over the world, from all over the any type of company you want. We got everything you need to offer. We got the student shows. We got the advanced shows. We got the big casino shows. We got when the major companies come to town, they come through us. It's, it, it don't get no better than FSW. So I'm forever grateful for FSW and I'll forever rep FSW. And I want everyone to know that if you like Chris Bay and if you want to be like Chris Bay for whatever reason, you go to a school like FSW, you go to FSW. Well said. Very well said. And Joe, in your final word, I'll throw you an actual question. Uh, actually, I, I was going to just go off this. Okay, go ahead. You know, being usually grateful for Chris Bay, especially since earlier today he made the announcement that he will work for me for free of charge for the rest of the of his life is like the greatest thing I ever heard. <laughs> Amazing that Chris Bay is that great a person. But for those who don't know, Chris Bay is also a rapper and we're trying to get him to do a, uh, do a compilation with our guy, Jay money. When is that going to happen? Chris Bay? Oh man. Hey, it's coming soon. Jay money X Chris Bay productions. We're going to perform the opening to the 11 year anniversary whenever that comes there you go live oh perfect great idea you're going to open the show i'm excited that hopefully the anniversary won't be uh june of 2021 the way things are going now hey i hope not but we're gonna have to skip a year but yeah (laughs) you know from my final thoughts it's like you know as we move forward you know we're just so itching to get the shows going and it's really 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 disappointing uh we spent a lot of time we're renovating we're still renovating uh when you come back and see the first fsw show uh we have these new fsw alumni banners that will be uh seen on the walls and the first two uh banners will be of kevin cross and chris bay so you know as well as we're going to have some uh, banners of uh, all our champions. But we've re-renovated. We've done everything up. Uh, we're going to also starting, we're going to be doing a summer camp, you know, a small six-week thing for some of the uh, kids' class. Uh, we have them wearing masks. The parents want to have fun with their kids. The kids want to come back to wrestling. And we got so much going on that, like, I'm ready to hit that start button, you know, you know, yesterday, a week ago, a month ago, and moving forward, there's so many great things, and it's like, let's get this shit rolling. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everyone, have a great week. Bye-bye.